Hi, it's Scott. And before we start the session this week, wanted to let you know that this week's episode was suggested by a listener to the session. And if there is a topic you would like us to cover on this program, Tom and I would be more than happy to do it. Please reach out to us anytime. You can email me at scott at risefmohio.com, or you can even text me while you're listening to the program tonight at 419-774-9862. We're going to be covering Pastor Appreciation Month in October. So please, if you have a specific aspect of pastoring or some element of how you're celebrating Pastor Appreciation Month that might encourage others, we would love to hear from you. Text me at 419 774 9862 or reach out by email scott at risefmohio.com welcome to the session there was once an individual who said there's peer pressure but there's also peer priority gee where have i heard that before (laughs) where faith and life connect i think i just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen (laughs) yeah hallelujah i hope so A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. Yes, the celebration of success. (laughs) Welcome to the session on Rise FM. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on the podcast network at risefmohio.com and at Rise FM. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And we're often running with a a difficult but important topic for us to talk about today. We're going to be talking about parenting the addicted child who is now your adult addicted child. We're going to cover different avenues of this and whether it takes one week or two. Yeah, well, it's us, so... That's right. No. My money is on. (laughs) (laughs) The over-under on us getting through all of this in one show is, well, not much. Okay, so let's start, though, Tom, with uh, God's Word. And let's do this, Scott. Uh, Paul's writings in 2 Timothy 1.7... For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Self-control. Problem for just about any one of the male persuasion. That's true. And if people did better with self-control, there probably wouldn't be such a need for heritage Christian counseling. Exactly. One thing has happened here in recently that I think kind of ties to this in that uh, a couple of weeks ago we – Celebrated is the wrong word. Right. It was National Overdose Awareness Day. And that made me think of addictions because the Jericho Wall in Mansfield was dedicated a couple of weeks ago. And that is a wall of remembrance to those lost to addiction. And a very powerful ceremony was held there at the wall. Everything you need to know is in the story on richlandsource.com. But we're going to talk about parenting the adult addicted child today and a lot of our information is coming from mountainside.com we're going to break this into two pieces that's why it may yeah (laughs) well we'll see right but we're going to start with what to do correct if you have an adult child who is an addict here's what you do do and then the second half of it we're going to talk about what not to do 
There we go. We're going to take Very both important. sides of the coin, yes. So let's start with number one, with what to do if you have an adult child who is an addict. How do you parent them through that time? First thing, set boundaries and invite open communication. And I find it interesting, Tom, that we start on the communication highway. That's true. So do set boundaries and invite open communication. The communication highway is so critically important. Recovering as a family, Scott, will require speaking with your son or daughter about how their behavior is impacting everyone. If they are acting out at family gatherings or constantly borrowing money from people, this is a sign you need to set a boundary. And isn't it interesting when they talk about how their behavior is affecting others? Remember we've talked about this term called peer priority? Right. Their peers are a priority to them. So that has more power to it that they're impacting their siblings and other family members in a way that's really not going to be helpful. But here's a really important part of it. Creating a boundary may seem challenging at first, but it will ultimately strengthen the relationship between you and your loved one, allowing both of you to start healing. And a great source or author on boundaries would be Dr. Henry Cloud. One of his original works was with Dr. Townsend when they wrote the original book that I'm aware of on boundaries. Great book on understanding the power of setting boundaries. Basically, it separates the difference between two people. You're allowed to take up whatever the space is that you take up sitting in that chair right now from the top of the headphones to your feet and from shoulder to shoulder and front to back. That's your space. When people cross your boundaries, it hurts. And so that's why we want to set boundaries and understanding how. This, to me, goes back some to... The idea of boundaries in parenting when your children are younger is helping them understand what boundaries are, how they work, and what happens when you cross them so that maybe you don't wind up in this situation when yeah. when your children are adults. So maybe we heal that generation or it doesn't continue into the next, meaning that the addiction it becomes a generational curse. Right. We're talking about parenting an adult-addicted child today on the session, and we're talking about what to do. First one, set boundaries, invite open communication. And as a parent, you want your kid to be able to come to you. Right. So even if they're an addict, letting them know, look, you can come to me. I'm not going to give you money, but right. you can come talk to me, and I will, I'll, I'll hold your hand, I'll hug you. You can sleep in, in your room or on the couch, but I'm not giving you money. That's true. That, 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 that's what we're talking about here. Well, yeah, because if you do give them the, the money, the likelihood is you could be enabling them to buy more. Right. If they say they need it for groceries, then take your child to the grocery store. Take them to the grocery store, and, and, yep. And, and pay the bill, but don't say, oh, yeah, here's $50, go to Kroger's. Yeah, they'll probably go They are not to going Kroger. to, yeah, different uh, Kroger. Yeah, but, and, and you know, when we think about this, the one biblical example that, I think is so profoundly important was the prodigal son. Yes. When he took off and he was partying, uh, he had probably varying forms of addiction that he was messing with. And then at the end of his hiatus, he's messing and actually living or eating with the pigs. Now, now Scott, you and I both can imagine what that must have smelled like. And, and how humiliating it would have been, especially for a Jew yeah. to be doing that. Exactly. So he goes toward his dad, and when his dad sees him coming, 
he goes running and hugs him and kisses him. And you know what? That stench must have been horrible. But in the midst of that stink, dad still loved him, still cared for him, accepted him, approved of him. What a great model, irregardless. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Didn't he go? I was just about to say the same thing. Say it. Yeah. Absolutely. The very same thing Jesus did for us. We had the stench of sin. Absolutely. And he still went to the cross and still wants to reach out and hug you today. And the very people who tortured him, while he's on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Isn't that what our example should be? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Number two, for what to do when you're parenting the addicted child, address the behavior rather than the person. This is so important and definitely a tool that we teach on the communication highway at Heritage. It's called separating the sin from the sinner, the behavior from the person, where we can talk about the behavior and not the person. For one, the defenses aren't going to be flying as much. And two, what's really powerful when we talk about it as an example in marriage, when you separate it, you get healing and closure much faster because there's none of all that civil war going on between you attacking a person and the person fighting back. Casting judgment on your addicted child will not mend your strained family dynamic, but it's perfectly reasonable to point out how their actions are affecting you. So the statement might look like, when I see you stay out late at night, I'm worried for your safety. Focusing on how you feel reduces the chances of confrontation because your emotions are not up for debate. That's so true. And you're not accusing them of anything. You're telling them how you feel. Which is so critically important. In relationships, when they're not making it happen and there's lots of friction, almost always it's because it's void of any actual emotional words like fear, agitated, upset, frustrated, hurt. They don't use those words. What happens is they react to those words. And some will get philosophical with this long dissertation about why that's wrong, which is punishing. (laughs) (laughs) So when you use feeling words, if I understand my language arts, I think, typically adjectives, they're describing a noun, I think. Yes, See, some of those archives. That, are, that sounds right to me. I, I you know, I mean, we got co Big Ten education going on here, you know. <laughs> Good point. So, Scott, when we use emotions, then you get a chance to understand how your spouse or in this relationship, the other party is feeling. Otherwise, they're just reacting and it's a, de- a debate and a head on collision waiting to happen. On the session here on Rise FM, we're talking about parenting the adult-addicted child today. And we're starting by talking about what you should do. And there, of course, is a flip side for that, what not to do. We will get to that either shortly or next week. But, you know, you'll see how that washes out (laughs) as soon as we see how it washes out. (laughs) We'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, that you should do. Do offer to look for support services with them. You're adult son or daughter struggling with addiction will need emotional support in recovery, starting with yours. So this is really important, Scott. One way you can support them is to sit with them and research different treatment programs to see which options best suit 
their individual needs. And there's a lot of them out there. And I've actually remember some of the families who have actually done that. It, it pays big, important dividends. Your child may benefit from a medical detox to cleanse their body of substances followed by a drug rehab program to address any underlying psychological issues, which is true. Detox tremors can impact the heart. Uh, It can be very serious. In fact, I think historically, a lot more organizations were doing detox, but I think they found out it was such a medical emergency and it was so medically uh, serious that it's primarily, I think, done now in hospitals. It can happen by going to emergency room, talking to them about it, and and they'll, they'll take care of it for you. Here's your rabbit hole. All right. It is good to go look for help them find the services they need. Yeah. What if they don't want your help? Well, and so now they're still in a state of denial. Really? When they go to Egypt? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah, that's all Sorry. Right. It was the low-hanging fruit. I shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> yeah, but what, what do you do? I mean, this is assuming they want yeah. your help and they're willing to talk with you about, I want to get rid of this addiction. Mom, can you help me? Right. Then it's hold their hand and go with them and say, yes, I'll take the day off. We'll go find you treatment. Right. But what do we do if we're in more of a confrontational situation and they don't want your help? And so now, as we said, they're in Egypt, (laughs) (laughs) which is really a dad joke, which I heard where they keep dad jokes. Oh, yeah? On a database. Oh, wow. That's bad. (laughs) That's that's wait a minute, I gotta write that one that down. Dad joke. <laughs> Database. Okay, coming coming to a Beyond Belief show near you. Uh, <laughs> oh that's boy, good. yeah, all right. Uh, and so what we really want to do is begin to put an intervention around them where if that's possible, we talk about bringing in key people in that person's life, powerful people that they respect, and they tell them the need for them to do it. That can involve spouses. It can involve siblings. It may be a a boss that's really important, aunt or uncle, and that happens. So another one, too, is that you can probably put some constraints around the individual until they are willing to uh, do something, which might include you don't want to fund their addiction and enable it that way. But maybe we, you know, cut off things like transportation. You can't pay for your gas. You can't pay for your insurance. You know what? You don't have it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Until they're ready to say, well, and you basically, you know, I'm more the reality therapy again. Well, let me know when you're ready. When it gets tiring, we're here to to help you. That's w- what we really have to do. Okay. So what happens now after completing rehab, where do we go? Well, sometimes your son or daughter may want further help and should seek out an outpatient program or coaching program to build upon their recovery foundation. So as an example, oftentimes we get referrals from hospitals that they're going to release a patient and want to know when are they scheduled to Hmm. have therapy, outpatient therapy, it becomes really important. And sometimes there's a process that I I have done over the years. Uh, It's intensive outpatient strategy where it really is intense, meaning it might be three or four days a week, two hours at a time. 
So it's very intense that you're very much focused on their recovery with them. And sometimes hospitals want to know that that's going to happen. So it, it really depends on, on and, what we're dealing with. And that could, if you're, in, if you're in a situation where it's a legal system, that could be the difference between staying in the hospital, going home, and going to jail. It, yeah. Oftentimes, the police and, and the judges and the legal system, one of the most important evaluations that they make is trying to make a decision of whether or not this individual is street safe, is he going to be or she be safer out in public or do they does that individual need to be behind bars cuz they're not safe big decision for the, for themselves or other people yes yeah. either way absolutely right. all right so as we run through this the things you should do as you try to parent an adult addicted child the fourth one is do ask your loved one how you can best support them. How can I help you? Yeah, and if they're in denial, they're likely going to say, I don't know. Help you with what? I yeah, don't right. help with anything, I'm fine. But so as a parent of an addicted adult son or daughter, you should remind them that you have their best interests in mind and want them to live a long, fulfilling life. Then, this is really important, Scott, then ask them what they need from you and offer to help them accordingly as long as their request is reasonable and will not jeopardize their recovery nor send you into bankruptcy. Exactly. Yeah, that's important. Inviting them to offer their input conveys that you respect their boundaries and what they have to say, making them more likely to share their feelings with you in the future. There you go that the communication highway would be a little bit safer there. Right. Now, let us let me take you down another rabbit hole here Good. for just a minute. Sure. Okay, so we're talking about parenting the addicted child. Right. But what if, you know, we talked about generational curse a little bit ago. What if mom and or dad also dealing with addiction, kids are now addicted. Right. And that starting to continue parents are not going to be the ones to say hey johnny let's go get you therapy when they need it themselves exactly how does this work if you're the uh the aunt uncle the grandparent the cousin looking in on this is there a way that you can intervene in this without uh, without risking the family dynamic true and, and oftentimes that's where the intervention really does come into play where the aunt and or uncle orchestrate, they organize, they facilitate, bring people in, and we have an intervention. But what you describe really is a family at risk. And you basically talked about some reasons why they are at risk. Right. And so they're at risk because they're at risk that they may end up further in addiction and that's where intervention needs to happen it may also be the one who ends up uh, spending some jail time i I wondered if sometimes you know a a week in jail is not a bad thing right i think it can and be very eye-opening on a, a lot of levels and you know i've had a few people who have had to go to jail in fact years ago i had one that was behind bars they wanted to have me come in and 
he, this individual was in for probably uh, a number of months, and I would go in once a week. I was going to ask you that if you've ever done therapy in jail. Yes, and they let me out. <laughs> <laughs> Despite Kathy's protestations that you stay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, How did that work? Uh, like if it was a, f- a phone call and the big glass window that's about, I don't know, several feet thick. Right. And, so they're on the other side of the wall, and I'm on this side of the wall, and we would talk back and forth. I would think that's a hard way to do therapy. It really is. Yeah. Because it's harder to read emotion reaction right or to actually have an honest conversation because the guy on the other side of the glass knows everybody over there can hear right yeah what he's saying yeah for sure so definitely so that's how you don't ever wind up in in their cell or uh, or in the medical part of the prison doing it from the medical facility uh, that, that may be possible i at that time so this would have been uh probably late 90s i'm not so sure that they were uh, set up to do that. Probably early, uh, r- around 2010 was another experience. And I was able to go into the cell there, the new jail that was downtown. Yeah. And it's all it was was cement uh, block walls, a bed, and maybe a commode. And that was it. Yeah. And they were going to be in there for weeks or months that individual really struggled and i think ptsd shock was going to come out of that the shock was really bad for her that transition was very difficult for her that that particular case ended up being good in the end but i think it got some attention going there Mm -hmm. yeah well sometimes you and sometimes there is a need for that yeah, shock and awe kind of attention. So as we move along here into the fi- the fifth and final thing about how to parent an adult addicted child, primarily from Mountainside.com, uh, we turn to the idea of do invest in your own recovery. Self-care, Scott, is just as important as supporting a loved one's recovery. Participate in activities that bring you joy and spend time with positive influences. Participating in family recovery services and workshops will help uh, you experience your own parallel healing process. So there are support groups. Yeah, there's the the of spouses or children of addicts. Yeah, where um, you can get where you because you know you're going to need that help too. Right. Yeah. The Naranon is an example. Of, right. Would, would be an example. Al-Anon being another. Families Anonymous, the Parent Support Network. You know, those are all available. And so, again, it's, it's support. And one of the things that I think in recovery and healing, whether we're talking addiction as well as is uh, things like depression, uh, maybe anxiety, is if you can impact the closest relationship that has the power in it for them, you help that relationship, you're going to help the person heal. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if they're not far enough along it, with, with alcohol, uh, as an example, or drugs, if they're not far enough along and they get involved in a relationship, I'm not advocating that. Because if that happens, it can send them, it's so powerful, it can send them uh, downhill in a hurry. Right. Yeah, because if something goes wrong in that relationship, that that could very well just 
right. you're on a slippery, slippery slope as it is, and down you go. That's right. that's very real. Right. Yeah. So it's taking care of taking care of yourself while you're helping take care of someone else. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to what parenting originally was when they were bouncing on your knee. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. As opposed to bouncing off the walls or bouncing off of wherever they are now. All right. So obviously at this point in time we've about run out of time today we're going to talk about what not to do with the when you're parenting an addicted a child next week sounds good so until then tom how can someone get a hold of you if, if this has touched a nerve and you know what i've got a kid and he's 35 and he's addicted and i don't know what to do where can they get a hold of tom to start a conversation i can be reached at heritage christian counseling ministries.com Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 